When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite Lorecast on the Citadel. Welcome to the Mass Effect Lorecast, the podcast where we explore the vast universe of lore behind the Mass Effect games. We'll talk about all the details you may have missed, ask the hard questions, and more. Commander Shepard's, we are returned. Uh-uh, I was going to say back, but return sounds cooler. Welcome back to the Mass Effect Lorecast. This is your host, Tom, or Robots. And after a uh, longer hiatus than we had planned, we decided, you know what? We should probably do a podcast. So we're, we're back. It's the normal time. It's, it's Monday night. And I am back with N7 Legend with a brand new mouth. I have a brand new mouth. It's a brand new year now. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, just like Shepard, we decided that, you know, between years, between seasons, I guess uh, we decided to die for a little bit. Um, No, (laughs) (laughs) he's been (laughs) he's been put back together and uh, he's returned. I I underwent Project Lazarus. um, Yes. Courtesy of my dental surgeon. Uh And we've upgraded uh, our mouths as well. Yeah, I have cybernetic upgrades in my mouth now. And uh, so, no, but I had to get all four wisdom teeth out at the same time. And uh, I'm not a teenager anymore. (laughs) I'm much uh, older than that. So it's the recovery did not go as easy as it could have been. I wish I would have done this sooner to everyone who's putting off getting their wisdom teeth out. Just 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 get it out. Just go do it. Just go do it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, recovery took a little while. I didn't want to spend that much that long in recovery. I didn't want to take that much of a break from the show because to be honest, this this is like the highlight of my week, you know, Um, and uh, so there was that. But of course, before that, we were taking a week off for the holidays, which, by the way, how were your holidays? Great. Yeah, lots of lots of family time. You know, I had I had as much family time as uh, I think I could have handled, but it all went well. And then I had a lot of time to kind of recuperate from that. And then I've now had a week back to regular podcasting and kind of getting back in the swing of things. And last week has been really good. But I, you know, I missed doing the show with you last week. But I'm excited to get back to it today, you know, kicking it off again. So I apologize to our listeners if you were hoping to get back in the swing of things. If you were going like back to work uh, last Monday and you were like, oh, we're going to get a new episode. And there wasn't an episode. And it's like, ah, oh, crap. But here we are. And I think I said Monday. It's Sunday night is the recording Monday night for you. If you are a patron, this is you'll be listening to it. And then Tuesday night or Tuesday, Tuesday day, your chances are if you are a regular listener, which is the majority of our listeners, you're probably listening to it on, on a Tuesday. So that's the usual. And um, I again, apologize for missing a week, but we're back and we have another episode. It seems that we can't quite get away from this whole factions thing yet we keep uh we keep digging up some more interesting factions to talk about huh everywhere we look there's just you know in another pocket of the galaxy there's this other faction that is just so important we would be remiss if we did not bring them up 
And, you know, there's so much to discuss in this huge world of Mass Effect lore. And so that's okay that we can't get away from the factions for now because I'm enjoying it at least. And I hope that some of that, uh, some of that enjoyment is coming through in our episodes. But, you know, we've been discussing factions for several weeks. We went from the governments, you know, to militaries, to seedy organizations like Cerberus and then the Shadow Broker and to outlaw factions like, like the Blood Pack, Eclipse and Blue Suns. Yeah. And now, you know, we just did CSEC before the new year. And so we're kind of at a law enforcement uh, crossroads, kind of. Yeah. So, so today, uh, the secretive, we are talking about the secretive, sneaky, special Solarian syndicate. I'm trying real hard at the alliteration <laughs> yeah. here. Okay. Yeah. Keep it going. All right. All right. So um, is, that their, wait, wait, is that their official title? That is not. Uh, uh, they are right. called the Special Tasks Group. Uh, also I like known your title as, better, better. I mean, Special Tasks Group, pretty generic. Secretive, sneaky, special sal- salamander syndicate. Yeah, yeah I think that's, that's so much better. That's accurate. It's descriptive. It's mm-hmm. better. It has alliteration. I, I think it's better. Yes. They I should hire me as a writer. That's what I was about to say that. They should hire you as a writer. I mean, absolutely. Uh, if they're, if anyone, if anyone from Bioware is listening right now, they should, I mean, absolutely. Just send us an email. You know how to get a hold of us. Shoot us a note or let us know if you're hiring and you got a guy right here. I mean, no offense to my day job whatsoever, but (laughs) if that became a possibility, I would not think twice. (laughs) I would, I would uh, do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. I wouldn't blame you. I'll I'll give you a a letter of recommendation. Well, I greatly appreciate that. (laughs) And let's hope that unlike the STG, he does not backstab me. Uh, and he, he doesn't say you should never hire this man. He's an awful flatulent racist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you gotta add the flatulent in there <laughs> yeah exactly that it, it gives it a robust uh type of insult a, a um, robust flavor <laughs> so um, um so i'm excited about this one because these kinds of groups are always interesting yes this the special tasks group stg uh, i'm gonna call them stg for like the remainder of the episode okay. and and you know that 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 acronym could also mean scientific tree geckos or salamander team go mm-hmm. or, or or so the good guys <laughs> salamanders mm, taste great one. salamanders taste great like these they're edible that's what javik would say these ones yeah mm, yeah i don't think these are the ones that if you're going to eat any of the salarians i don't think these are the ones that you want to try to eat though definitely not um these these would be more like poison dart frogs. Uh, yeah, that, these yeah, ones are they, gonna they these would, ones are gonna bite you back. They'd have the last laugh, certainly. Um, yeah. So the STG they specialize in clandestine operations, and usually they're doing things that could be plausibly denied by their government, which means they have little accountability, oversight. They they do have oversight, um, but they're given a broad range of authority, and they seem to be more of an established organization than the specters. They are usually carrying out missions on counterterrorism, infiltration, they're assassinating people, they're sabotaging things, uh, and most of the time they're conducting reconnaissance too. But they do sound a lot like the specters. 
Yeah, in fact, the the Spectre is a special tactics and reconnaissance branch of the Citadel Council, right? They do sound a lot like that. And there's a reason for that, uh, which we'll get into. But much like the Spectres, STG members uh, are brutally practical. Uh, that's what the lore says. And they typically put the missions above the cost of all life, like both their own lives and the lives of others. So very kind of them to sign others up for that. Um, the records are also sealed for both groups uh, because they're operating in secrecy. So the Spectres and STG operate in secrecy in this regard. And good luck trying to dig up dirt on anyone in there because you likely need the highest level of clearance. So the STG have a somewhat scary rep- or, you know, reputation because of that. Um, but they're much more incognito than the Spectres are. In the games, you know, of course, Commander Shepard is a specter. And in the games, it's like, damn, like everywhere you go, someone brings that up before you can even tell them. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, they're like, oh, no yes. specters here. Or, ah, uh, I see we have a specters company. You know, like that. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Right. Exactly. What warrants a visit from the specters? You know, like that kind of crap. Yeah. So politically, they carry a cloud of notification around with them. Like everyone knows where they are. And uh, like it, it's pretty hard to be incognito now if you're a specter just because they've gained such an international or intergalactic or galactic interworld fame. Uh, so, you know, if, if, if CSEC was the nitty gritty film noir turn-of-the-century NYC police force type of, of gig. The STG are the high-tech pre-crime bureau from Minority Report, if you remember that movie. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, all right. So, <laughs> they're the Tom except, Cruise? Of them? Yeah, except they're far more focused on foreign policy, with one major exception that we will discuss in a bit. Uh, as for a motto, which I would be remiss if I didn't give these guys a motto. Um, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Ah. That's, that, that quote is originally credited to Benjamin Franklin, but like most quotes that are that old, who knows who really said it? Sure. Uh, sure. So, uh, and then usually that's, that's uh, referenced in the context of medicine. Uh, but when it comes to the STG, they're not really interested in medicine that much, but they are interested in, in intelligence operations and, and military operations. But uh, so when we talk about intelligence, when we talk about small clandestine groups, right, we have a tendency to think that it's just a few individuals. That's very close knit, small community. Mm. But the STG really aren't as few as you'd think since they embody most of the Salarian military doctrine, which is to win a war before it begins through deception, stealth, misdirection, attack on support infrastructure, etc. You know, because of that, they constitute a huge chunk of the entire armed forces because they embody this entire Salarian military doctrine. Yeah. yeah. Um, as, as you've gone through and explained kind of the focus of what they do, that's I mean, that's what's ringing in the back of my head. Is that like this is this isn't a it doesn't sound like a mi- minority group that focuses on a very specific thing that's different from the rest of the the military as a whole. This sounds like just the pinnacle of the doctrine as it already stands. Mm, yeah, um, so it is. It, it's basically like they are the tip of the spear. They are the crown jewel. 
right. of the but, but it's also uh, the, the, the the highlight of the entire philosophy. Right. Yeah, they are the culmination of yeah. of the Salarians' entire way of war. Uh, and in the lore, when they're not doing field work, it seems they're primarily monitoring developing situations. So they they also have this three letter agency air about them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like NS, they're not just the CIA; they're also the NSA. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so we've been explaining the origin stories of all these different factions. What do we know about the STG? Like, how did they, how did they come about? So there's a lot we don't know, right? And I feel like I'm a broken record uh, saying this week after week, but I am, you know, researching these things and there's a lot of questions that remain unanswered. Uh, We don't know exactly when they were created or by whom. We don't know the exact, you know, who was the first STG operative. We don't know that. But we do know that by 2183, by the start of Mass Effect 1, uh, they receive orders directly from the Citadel Council. And this is interesting because the STG is, is, is an arm of the Salarian Union. So it's, it's, they directly report to their own government, the Salarian's government. But they also receive orders from the Citadel Council. So they must be working in a dual hierarchy where they report to two bosses, so to speak. And I think there could be like a lot of interesting situations if the Salarian Union and the council's orders don't really necessarily line up with each other. Yeah, that's uh, that's a difference. I mean, it's hard to serve two masters. They have to there has to be somebody who gets the final say when something doesn't line up or two priorities coexist. And I would imagine that in most scenarios, the Salarian counselor's word matters above the Dalatras's word or the, the leader of Sir Kesh, you know, uh, so. I would imagine the counselor has final say because at least that's how it seems for humanity by the time that hu- humanity gets a counselor with Udina. Um, so it would seem that they have the ultimate say, but who knows really there could, there could be a different socio political situation going on inside the Salarian union on Sirkesh. But again, there could be really cool interactions in the next mass effect. If there's a split between what the Salarian Union military branch wants to do versus what the uh, what the you know like the counselor thinks should happen. Well, in a post Reaper world universe, oh yeah, I mean well, yeah. galaxy, I guess post Reaper galaxy, you're going to have a lot of different power play. You're going to have people who are going to say things like you know, well, the council is partly responsible for our terrible response for all of this. We shouldn't have signed up and let them manage our military response and you, i mean you're going to have people who are going to be making those kinds of arguments whether that's right or wrong they're going to use those arguments in order to claim power for themselves and th- yeah that'll happen in a power vacuum um absolutely and it, it, that line of thinking also makes complete sense coming from the salarian union uh because the salarian union would would argue the council did not act preemptively right they dragged right. their feet Right. And they did not act preemptively. They right. did not do these things that could have minimized losses or won the war beforehand. Right. And in retrospect, we had warning. Shepard right. was, was warning us all, this, all of this time. We had, we had the time to act preemptively. We had the information we needed. Had you simply listened to the information, which 
if we were, we, the Solarians, were making these decisions, we could have done, because that's our doctrine, then we would have been in a better situation, you know, like. Right. If we weren't worried about the political ramifications, if we had trusted the intelligence. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah, I can totally see that. It's so easy to make that that kind of argument in in like a post, you know, hindsight, hindsight kind of way. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're already inclined to make that argument. Of course. Of course. (laughs) So somebody's going to do that. And then somebody's going to use that as a and of course, the other side's going to go, well, yeah, that's an easy argument to make. Looking back on things, you weren't there. You weren't in the room. You, you didn't have to deal with all of the other things. And they're going to say, well, it doesn't matter because you made the wrong decision. So and that kind of argument might be even more plausible, depending on how your playthrough ended up. There's a possibility that if neither Thane nor Captain Kirahi are alive, that the Salarian counselor actually does get assassinated by Kai Lang in Mass Effect 3. So in that instance... The Salarian Counselor has been assassinated during the Reaper War, actually pretty shortly before the end of the Reaper War. Definitely not enough time to replace that Counselor, right? Mm-hmm. At least not with someone who's been seasoned, maybe, maybe an interim Counselor. But with that extra power vacuum, now you have like, you know, people fighting for the top. Um, the Salarians, although their social structure is, you know, very centered around, you know, arranged marriages and brokering power deals with families. It's not that collective. Um, there's definitely discord and disagreement among Solarians that's well documented throughout the series. So, right. um, but we dig- we digress, you know, we can also infer from the timeline as to when, you know, when was the, uh, STG created, we can infer from the timeline of events, that the STG were around before the Spectres were created. So timeline goes STG and then Spectres. Right. right. But how much of a gap there is between those is kind of up for debate because as many Spectres, including the very first Spectre, were actually chosen from the ranks of STG operatives. So it was like the STG was the field, like the, the what do they call them in sports? The farm team? Yeah, or pre- they were precursors. They were the yeah. They were almost the the, the test bed, or they were the, exactly. They were kind of the the trial run, yeah. the beta, the beta test. They, they picked many, 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 many specters from the STG's ranks, including right. the very first one. So it kind of set a bar for what specters should be. Um, so that means the STG were created at the latest sometime around six hundred ninety three of the current era. So AD. Um, right. 693 AD for human, uh, for humans. Uh, and so that's, you know, that's how, that's how it was set up. And that's why we see so many yeah. Solarian specters, right? Right, right. The specters were created 693 of the current era. And that is why we see so many Solarian specters, um, you know, quite likely. And if we can recall one of the pieces of historical footage in this, in the Citadel archives is the first specter below Gurgi which of course is a Solarian and uh, a new band for us to talk about, but go on below Gurgi. He would, that sounds like a funk, uh, funk artist. Name, maybe, maybe. It? I mean, it sounds kind of like Arlo, Arlo Gunth, Guthrie, Arlo Guthrie. It sounds like a, like one of those like funny named guys from like the sixties or something or seventies, you know, like below Gurgi. He does comedic, uh, comedic music. Maybe. Yeah. Hey y'all, I'm below Gurgi. Like, know. um, like, uh, yeah, like <laughs> this is going to evolve. Yeah, this is going to, he's like a country, he's like a comedic country artist. 
<laughs> comedic country Bo he, Burnham. Yeah, he's hilarious version. Yeah, he plays a banjo and he's got a harmonica. He talks very fast. Um, yeah. Yeah. And every song sounds like on the bayou. Yeah. He's got a harmonica. Yeah. Uh, and well, <laughs> this is going to devolve, but <laughs> we can deduce <laughs> from that that the Spectres were around much before that, too. Uh, so I mentioned that the STG, or I'm sorry, that the STG was around much before the Spectres were created, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned that the STG had to have been around because of Gurji, uh, but they, they must be ancient because Gurji, although Gurji was a former STG operative, they must be ancient. The STGs must be because there's evidence in the lore that they had to have been around for at least a thousand years before that. So at least a thousand years before the specters were created. Wow. Uh, because around 500 BC, uh, shortly before or shortly after the Salarians found the Citadel and then formed the council with the Asari, the Salarian government reveals all these classified documents on all of its secret agents who are part of a different group called the League of One. And the STG are eventually tasked with hunting down the members of the League. So the STG had to have been around them. Right. Okay. So the League of One, I mean, that sounds familiar, right? That's so, okay. So why, why is that sound familiar? Uh, well, you know, I'm so excited to dive into this part, uh, but it, it's like this whole big thing. And, you know, we've got a lot to get through in the mid break, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, we do. So, all right. So we're holding off. We're going to get to that after the break. Yeah, I think I need a, a breather uh, because we're gonna, it's a lot to unpack. All right, let's do the mid-break. We're going to thank our patrons. We're going to go over some reviews. I'm going to show off the shirt that some of our community sent me because it's, it's hilarious. And we'll be right back. Message coming in. Patching it through. I am sovereign and this station is mine. I like the sound of that. All right, so everybody knows how VPN services and ExpressVPN can protect your privacy and security online, right? But did you know that there are some secret hidden benefits to using ExpressVPN, like unlocking movies and shows that are only available in other countries? So if you're like me, you probably enjoy watching shows on Netflix, for example. Well, with ExpressVPN, you can unlock the UK version of The Office. Or Parasite from South Korean Netflix. Over a hundred different countries. All you have to do is change your location and refresh Netflix or whatever. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. In fact, when I set it up for myself, I was surprised at how easy it was. It just installs and then loads up and works. And it works on more than just PCs. Phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and so much more. So if you want to access hundreds of new shows, use my link right now, expressvpn.com slash masseffect, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash masseffect, expressvpn.com slash masseffect to learn more. All right. So patrons, it's been a little while. Thank you for being patient with us, but we've got some, uh, some new favorite people that we can call out Two brand new patrons have signed up recently. We've got Cyclops and Patrick B. Thank you for joining us, both of you. Welcome to the Patreon. 
And um, we also, uh, let's see, we're going to look through the entire list here. What are we up to now? We have an entire 45 current patrons. Holy moly. And continued thank you to both Pipe Man and Sovereign for being our shepherd level patrons. Thank you to both of you guys and to all 45 of, you, of the patrons. Thank you guys so much. Um, you guys really do help make this a thing that that we can keep doing and we really do appreciate it. So if we've helped you get through your work days, your commutes, your workouts, getting through the holidays, taking down your holiday decorations, you know, I mean, anything that you've been doing recently, then please go check out patreon.com slash Mass Effect Lorecast and check out all the different tiers because you can join us on future episodes of the show. You can get t-shirts and stickers and stuff there. In fact, a lot of that stuff's been shipping out already. People have been showing off their t-shirts, which is super cool. I love to see the pictures of the of t-shirts. The and um, you can even just get, get ad-free episodes if you sign up at some of the, the lower tiers. So there's all sorts of fun stuff that you guys can get on the Patreon. So thank you to everybody who helps support the show. Also, we've got some uh, new reviews. We've got a few here to, to read out. Um, let's see. We've got one from Cloudy Atlas in the United States who writes, The show I binged to fix post-Mass Effect Blues. Five stars. I downloaded all the episodes of the show when I was stuck on a flight layover. Oh, that's a bummer. I mean, I'm, I'm glad you downloaded the episodes of the show, but flight layovers are no fun. Apparently, I was waiting for three hours, but I didn't notice because I was enjoying listening to the show too much. A great show for people who want to know everything about Mass Effect. Man, that's awesome. I'm so glad that we can help you warp time. That's like a superpower. Is that your do you have that power? Because I don't know. Well, we that. use Mass Effect fields. Oh, is that OK? So yeah, thank you, Mass Effect Fields. Um, so thank you, uh, Cloudy Atlas. And then we also have one from Evan72 in the United States who wrote addictive five stars. I've only played Mass Effect 3 and listening to the podcast and hearing Tom and Sam talk about their personal moments in the games on top of the lore makes me want to play the first two games. So we'll go play the first two games. What's what's stopping you? Just go do it. They're super cheap at this point, too. Um, would recommend to any other fan of the franchise and keep up the great content. Evan, thank you so much. And then we have one here from Kento Brock in the United States who writes great podcast. Five stars. I just found this podcast and I can't wait to catch up. I love Mass Effect and I love the enthusiasm depth of this show. Keep it up. Aye, aye. Kento, we will. We will. We'll definitely keep it up. Um, so those are those are our reviews. Uh, now, you have here noted that we have five. Are there some that I missed that we didn't get to go over last time? Let's see. There are. Because in it's fact, been a I little while. To yeah. the mid-break on the last episode. And mm -hmm. uh, there were a couple that came in the same day oh, that our episode yeah, yeah, yeah. went live. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I, yeah, there are two more. Okay. So we've got one from uh, Stonehenge. 2012 in the United States who wrote a uh, great podcast. I'm Zach and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. It's also my new favorite way to spend time at work when I can listen to podcasts, but have no time for another playthrough of the game. Love the world of Mass Effect and being shepherded pun intended through uh, by these great hosts is just great. Thanks for an awesome show. I'll, well, thanks, Zach. That's uh, <laughs> you're welcome for your shepherding all right then we've got another one last one from apollo 7391 from the united states who writes a must listen for mass effect fans this podcast really does have it all for fans of mass the mass effect universe if you're the most diehard completionist player 
I can all but guarantee you'll learn something new. If you're a casual player, the in-depth lore discussions will make you jump back in so you can find the one remote planet card that N7 The Legend talked about. The hosts have great chemistry together, a mixture of an in-depth knowledge and modern world comparisons. I started listening when they were maybe five or six episodes in, and now I can't wait to hear the next one. The podcast absolutely enhances any playthrough of the trilogy. I may not be the real Commander Shepard or even an N7 legend, but this is still my favorite podcast on the Citadel. Apollo, that's amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who took the time to leave a rating and review. And just a reminder, if you do so and leave a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, we'll read you out on a future episode of the show. And as a reminder, if you listen on Spotify, there's the ability to rate the show on there as well. So on your Spotify app, on your phone, scroll up to the top where you can see all the different episodes and scroll all the way to the top where you can see the name of the show and the description and below that the top left you'll see a little section where you can choose how many stars and just drop us in a little five star rating that would be amazing we really appreciate it it really does help too because it lets them know that like hey this should be recommended to other people and helps get the podcast out there for other people to check out so very much appreciate it um thank you everybody for that stuff what else do we have to go over in the mid break so we also have um, the last contest uh, that we did. Beige Lunatics is going to be joining us, I, I think, if Beige Lunatics is available. Mm-hmm. Uh, will be joining us on the January patron episode, which will be at the last uh, last week of the month. Um, and then, you know, uh, our mysterious benefactor has taken a break off of doing the, the contests, right? So yep. uh, I was thinking maybe we can brainstorm ideas for some of our own ones just for fun. Um, well, I was also approached by a another mysterious benefactor who might be wow, thinking really? about doing, yeah, another mysterious individual. It's really strange when this happens because I get like a, like a notification and then like I turn on, like, it's like my monitor just turns on by itself. And all of a sudden there's like this, like background lighting and there's like the silhouette of like a character with their, like a voice changer on there. Like, they're like. Tom, aka robots and i'm like uh hello and they're like this is another mysterious benefactor i want to do some sort of thing to help you with your podcast and give away things to the community then i'm like uh cool why so mysterious and they're like don't mind that i'm a very powerful mysterious person and i'm like okay cool and then they're like well i'll contact you at a later date and i'm like all right, right. thanks and then they're just gone and i was like do not disappoint me yeah do not just dis- <laughs> i'm like I'm, with what i don't even know what to do yet and they're like so we might be actually getting a, another cool thing to do in the in the near future so uh yes so maybe maybe something like that will be coming down the line oh and if not then maybe we'll do our own thing so yeah no. So, and, and I've been getting notifications and talking with some of our patrons that they've been receiving the shirts. So that's good. The shirts and the stickers are continuing to ship out. Uh, if you're expecting some and you haven't yet received it, uh, let me know. And I might have an alert for you, or I'll I'll see what I can do or dig up uh, Mm -hmm. for you if you're one of the patrons, but, um, just, yeah. Uh, so for the patrons who have already received our merch, I think it'd be pretty cool if the next patron episode, we could try to all wear the patron uh, here. That would be amazing. I also want to see people like wearing them and sharing the pictures around. So if you can, if you can take a picture and share it on like Twitter and tag us in the post, that would be awesome. 
Oh yeah. I'd love that. Um, and speaking of which, speaking of patrons and mysterious benefactors and shirts, you know, you have a special yeah. shirt on today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the community over the holidays sent me this, this just showed up in the mail one day. My wife was like, did you order a shirt or something? And I was like, no. And I opened it up and inside I've got Danny DeVolis. I'm sure I'm showing it on, on video. If you want to check out the video version of this, go look up the Mass Effect Lorecast uh, YouTube channel. You'll see the video for this episode. And um, here he it's is. It's a Volus. It's a Volus. This thing's amazing because he, he looks like an in-game character. Like he like he's not just like a cartoon Volus that somebody drew. He looks like an in-game character that somebody like gave a saxophone to he's playing he's legitimately playing a saxophone and he's he's busking he's got like a little bowl at the bottom uh down here whoop, whoop, whoop. everything's backwards on my screen um and he's like he's got some money in it and then yeah he's begging from for tips yeah he's playing for tips like it's just like on the side of the the, the you know the citadel somewhere probably and then uh, in front of that it says words are hard <laughs> It's perfect. This is this is awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. And, yeah, and in my in my mind, he's playing Careless Whisper. Yeah, it, he's just he's just keeps playing the solo for Careless Whisper on his saxophone. Um, yeah, yeah, the shirt is great. It's so it's so, so. good. Yeah. Well, we've got so one. Thank you more to the community. Special announcement. Thank you guys. Uh, anybody who was involved in this, thank you very very much. I very much. Oh yeah, that's it. right. He doesn't know. Uh, so he doesn't know. I know who made that. Who who arranged for that shirt uh, to get delivered, but Tom does not know. Uh, so that is a genuine thank you out to the universe. Um, thank you universe. And we have one more special announcement and I'm very excited to tell everyone about this. We have a special, another special episode of the Lorecast coming up on January 23rd, because then we are having two incredibly intelligent members of our community with very deep backgrounds in music and theory to come on and talk to us about the music of mass effect, the scores that we remember from the first three games and, and Andromeda and what made them so special. Uh, and maybe they'll talk a little bit on, on the psychology of that as well. So I'm very excited for that episode. Yes. Music and games is so cool. I'm just going to, oh, yeah. I'm just going to announce that to the universe as well. There were some really big name composers that made the the soundtrack for the Mass Effect games, including Clint Mansell and Jack Wall, Sam Hulick. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah that, that should be a really great episode. Yeah, it's like big stuff. All right, well, let's get back to the rest of the show because we've got to talk about the League of One. Here we go. Spit it out, or are you trying to build suspense? You're so dense, sir. Obviously, I do not know as much about human relationships as I thought. All right, so here we are back with the episode. And Sam, we're going to talk about the League of One. So who is this? Uh, should we know who they are? So unless you played Mass Effect 1, you might not know who they are. Uh, okay, because so that's that why is, they sound familiar. It was a side quest. It started mm-hmm. as a side planet, you know, planet side side quests. And they were the elite primetime intelligence gathering service for the Salarian Union. Uh, in fact, they were around before the STG, it seems. And they were adept at infiltrating the tightest defenses and eliminating all necessary obstacles from the lore. That's what it says. Mm. So, 
sounds very similar, right? Sounds like proto STG proto specters, that kind of thing. Um, except that there was a brief period where they were around at the same time as the STG. And we're not sure for how long we're not sure when the STG was created. If the league of one was a specific elite faction within the STG, uh, those things are not quite clear, but what we do know is that the the League of One was never more than a dozen strong. That's what the lore says. And um, so there were never more than 12 members, never more than 12 people associated. So that's a very elite group. Um, but their identities were kept hidden from all but the highest levels, the very highest levels of government and military. So that's a little bit more secretive than the STG. Obviously, STG operatives know who their teammates are and it's, it's kind of like they, they introduce themselves as STG. Mm -hmm. So it's not, it's not that clandestine. It's like being a specter. I'm commander Shepard. I'm a specter. It's like, okay, Com right. commander Shepard is a specter. Everybody knows it. Yeah. Right. So they, like people know when you're STG, people do not know if you are a member of the league of one. Mm -hmm. uh, and so they wore no uniform. They were always undercover. They had no rank, none at all. Uh, and they were only given a medallion this is the only identifying feature. They were only giving given a medallion upon their induction into the league. Uh, so we collected these medallions through a series of side planet missions in mass effect one, as people might remember. Uh, and so sometimes we found them on the bodies of the people who were assigned to hunt them. And it's not just a random fetch quest with no significance, gathering these League of One medallions, you know, surveying planets and things like that and finding them. Because as I said, the Asari are uncomfortable uh, with the existence of this shadow organization, you know, this, mm -hmm. this uh, League of Super Spies operating in the shadows with no accountability to them. And these guys exist by the time the Solarians find the Citadel. Like they, they were already in existence, right? Uh, the, the league members. And so maybe the Asari are afraid of being assassinated in a coup d'etat. And so as a gesture of openness, like a, you can trust us type of thing, the Salarians abruptly unclassify and release all of the documents pertaining to the league of one and its members who to this point were like top, 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 top secret information, you know, uh, and, and again, those identities of the members of the League of One were only known to the very highest le levels of leadership. And like, I'm talking a handful of individuals. Yeah. So this would be like a massive political disaster in today's age, as it is in the Mass Effect universe, for the same reason. You know, spies make enemies and they survive on anonymity. Right. Right. This is, isn't this the plotline of like the born identity, like the first one? Yeah. So imagine pissing yeah. off a group of Jason Bournes. Yeah. Right. I mean, that that seems like what would happen is that like you'd be like you'd have like a dozen of these dudes, dudettes, whoever, and they'd just be like, "Son of a bitch, it's going down." <laughs> right. And they're just going <laughs> to take out anybody who comes after them. Right. Jesus Christ! It's Jason Bournes. <laughs> it's Jason Bournes. Mass Effect <laughs> version. Yeah. But can you imagine if the U.S. did this with their top spies? Like. That's, I mean, I, don't, I can't see that ending well. 
Oh my God. No. Uh, I mean, it's already a political disaster. Like I think in the past four years, right. There was a political disaster where the president accidentally outed the identity of one spot. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 That that did happen. Yes. That was a political disaster. That was uh, a nightmare, you know, for the intelligence community. Yeah. And they had to, and, and, it didn't just stop there. I remember there was ramifications all across the globe for the United States intelligence gathering operations. And there were so many names that were affected and it was just a mess. So, you know, you can see once you out these super spies, they have virtually nowhere left to go because these are people whose career is based on, uh, you know, anonymity, using fake names right. and they've made i don't know how many enemies in the, in right. the x amount of years <laughs> who's gonna it's... hire them yeah, they, they, they submit their resume to like you know whatever company and they're like uh, i see you've uh spent the last uh 12 years infiltrating uh governments and um you're very good with powerpoint Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, they would be good with PowerPoint. Um, they'd be PowerPoint warriors, uh, to be exact. Uh, but yeah, like seriously, you hand them the resume and it just says three words. It says, I see here, it says League of One. Um, <laughs> right. How long were you in that? Right. So wait, okay. if I, oh, you're you saying, tell me that? you're telling me if I hire you, everybody you've ever pissed off is going to like come after our company now? Yeah, uh, I'm going to have to pass. Thanks for your application. Good luck. Would you be willing to submit to a background check? <laughs> right. And he's gone. <laughs> and 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 everybody's now murdered. Yeah. And my throat is slit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You think you think Thane's scary, right? Um, wow, these people are legends. Uh much more than I am. Uh, but, and and, like, they seem to be even more elite than the N7 program actually. But, Mm -hmm. you know, so as I said, you know, as I'm sure they've made quite a number of enemies over however many years they've been around. And then all of a sudden, you know, their identities are out. All of the documents that were protecting them by being sealed were uh, out. Everyone knows not just their identities, but what they did, how long they did it for. If I guess that's how you could construe it. And all of these enemies now are gunning for them. So the next thing you know, they're gone. They just vanish yeah. off the like, face of every world. I would imagine either because they've been eliminated or they're absolutely have gone into hiding. Well, they, they have to do one part. or the other, right? A few months later, top Salarian officials start turning up dead. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, there's no evidence that's found pointing to foul play, but everyone knows. <laughs> Yeah, uh, there's a saying, a pretty ominous saying, right? Presidents come and go. The intelligence community lasts forever. There, So, you know, I think this at least rings true for the League of One, or at least that's how they see it. They're like, oh, okay, well, if you're going to throw us under the bus for some political clout, you know, uh, we don't have anything left to do or live for. Or lose. <laughs> yeah, they've got nothing to lose at this point. Or lose. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, I and think all we'll the just... tools to do anything they need to get back at anyone. Oh, yeah. They've been trained as these ridiculously right. sneaky infiltrators and killers. And yes. now you've pissed them off and left them out to dry. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I doubt there was a witness protection program set up for them. <laughs> Probably I, not. No. I don't think so. No. Um, so, you know, these top officials start turning up dead 
and no evidence found. Everyone knows what, what, what happened really, or, or can guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so weird, huh? Right. So this has to send shivers down the Dalatras's spine because the STG forms a group of operatives to go hunt them down. Um, so that's predictable, right? Um, so this would indicate that the STG exists at the same time as the League of One. It's not exactly clear if the STG was created for this purpose or if they were already existing. But what we do know is that they, they, they formed this group of operatives to go hunt the League of One members down. And they don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> They're gone. They don't come back. Uh, this group to this group of League of One hunters uh, is dead. Uh, presumably, Shepard finds a couple of their bodies. I think. And so then, the STG selects ten of the brightest, best tacticians that the top intel branch has to offer. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eight of them don't come back. <laughs> right. So, so two of them return, but they're eerily quiet. They don't say a lot and they report no evidence of the leak. So they basically say there's no evidence that the leak exists. And you're like, like, like anymore, really? like, like, like they, mm. like, like that they ever existed. Or that, that sounds they like, don't ex- that sounds like they were like cornered in a room with like a gun to their heads with a, you go back and you tell them you found nothing and we're no longer here. Or we're going to kill everybody you ever cared about. (laughs) Yeah. That's what that sounds like. Something weird going on here, but they fast forward and there's no more ruckus. There's no more assassinations of these top Salarian officials. So they just presume or they they assume that, well, the problem must have been taken care of. (laughs) (laughs) Probably best to leave that alone. We should just trust these uh, infiltrators and people who are trained to lie. But it makes sense. The two return. They say the problem's been taken care of. That's all the political reason they need to yeah. take to the Asari right. and be like, see, they're dead. It's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> right. We have we have reason to believe that this problem has yeah. been solved. Yes. Yeah. They lean away from the mic and, you know, talk to their counsel. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I've been af- I've been informed the problem's been taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> OK. Yeah. I do not recall. Um but there are rumors of a mysterious 13th member mm. uh, of the League of One who was so secretive that not even the leadership of the Salarian Union knew who it was. So this Salarian may have escaped. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> this, um, uh, um, okay. So, but this happened like thousands of years before Mass Effect 1. So there's no right. way we could have run into the, I mean, there's no way they're still around by, by then. They don't live that long. That's correct. No, they don't live that long. Uh, as we know, Salarian lifespans are so much shorter than that. I they're, mean, you know, around on max around 40 years. Right. So we definitely didn't meet this person in any of the Mass Effect games who may have been the 13th member. We did not meet them. Uh, but I have my own theory. And uh, first, I have a theory about you know, I think it's quite possible that two of the League of One members killed and beat up and then assumed the identity of the hunters who were tracking oh, down. Oh, okay. And then went back and said, nope, no evidence. <laughs> okay. You know, maybe they changed the pigmentation of their skin or, you know, they changed huh. their appearance enough to... Because to, to, they have the tech and, to do that. 
Right. And then they altered records and databases because they would have had super high clearance and, and the know-how to do that and right. alter Omni tool records and whatnot. So I think it's, that one's quite possible. Uh, I think it's also quite possible. Like you said, they were threatened <laughs> into returning and just being like, I didn't see nothing. Uh, <laughs> right. and then there's also this theory about the 13th member that I have. Uh, we already covered this faction that I'm about to bring up, but I think that this 13th member escaped and then the 13th member built a network of CD outlaw operatives around him to protect himself, becoming the first shadow broker. Mm. And it would, the timeline would have fit, you know, think about it. We don't really know how long the shadow broker has been around. That's number one. Number okay. two, we can infer it has been a series of people because right. it has been at least two people since the Yog killed the original, not the original shadow broker, but the but, shadow broker before them. And what we knew about first. Right. Right. And then number three, who better to start a shadow organization that deals in information? Who better to employ and train the galaxy's largest network of spies, mercenaries, operatives, et cetera? Mm -hmm. Who else would have the desire to trade that information that could bring down and topple governments other than a, like, like a top secret Salarian agent who clearly must love the Salarian Union and his people, so he doesn't necessarily want to just only destroy the Salarians. Right, right. But he could play it fair by wielding the power of information against anyone that might come after him. Right. And also has the motivation to do so, you know, one that would creating an organization like that would give them something to do with the talents they already have, but it would also help keep them safe. It would exactly. So they would prove to be not only uh, a formidable opponent to anyone who would try to mess with them, but they would also prove to be an asset Mm -hmm. that no one would want to lose. Right. So, or, or to go up against you, you create, uh, you create a, uh, you create a, a legend around yourself, you know, like you create, you know, you become the Batman, you know, <laughs> basically. And then all of a sudden you're way more difficult to deal with than if you're just that one guy that got away. Or maybe the 13th member started the shadow brokers lair, right? On Hagalaz. And then the two hunters showed up. And they walk into the ship and they, and he turns around in his chair, right? And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) I have a job proposition for both of you. How would you like to, how would you like a raise? (laughs) Thus becoming the first informant of the shadow broker. Exactly. I think we may have just, we may have just written the next part for right. Bioware here. Right. I'm not sure. I um, have a deal you can't refuse. Either you come work for me or you work for no one ever again. <laughs> yeah, uh, he snaps. Okay. Now go tell them that you found all of us and there's nothing else to solve. <laughs> and like, yeah. yeah. And since there would be no record of him being a League of One member, since he was the mysterious 13th member, mm-hmm. they could plausibly, deniably, you know, say, well, there was no evidence of the League of One that we found. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. and that then everything they, they then they they then stay in their position while feeding him evi- like information that they are glomming from the highest levels of government from that point on being the initial two 
sources of information for the new shadow broker. Right. There, he's all he's he's gaining a business by suckling at the teat of the already established best intelligence gathering operation mm-hmm. in the galaxy. Right. Right. <laughs> and then what 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 better to do to get back at them? Because you're never going to destroy the entire government that screwed you over. So why not suck them dry and supplant them? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, man, I think we we may could have be just it. could be it. I, I could see. I mean, there's yeah. potential there. That, that we, like there's definitely uh motive uh ability like you've got a number of things going on there now the, the i guess the other question is does the timeline sync up and once we get more information it would be interesting to see like okay does the does the shadow broker history go back that far yeah if we yeah, get some exactly. sort of like well there was no sign of a shadow broker until about 300 years ago and then it's gonna be like okay well exactly mm. so that is as far as we know at this point, but writers likely left some leads open like the timeline uh, so that they could have some stuff to work with in the future. Right, right. Okay. So, but that's about it. That's all we know. Uh, That's yeah. That's all we know about the league of one. Right. Okay. So let's get back to the STG. Um, What famous stuff has the STG actually done besides hunting down the league of one potentially? may or may not have hunted down the league. Uh, Well, there's three major things, uh, all of which we've covered in previous episodes before. Number one, the STG were intimately involved in uplifting the Krogans to fight the Rachni Wars, except this plan backfired when the Krogan eventually started colonizing planets and they were stronger than anyone else in the council uh, races. And so, you know, this backfired It led to the Krogan rebellions uh, and the council races were like, oh shit. Uh, so that's number one. And that was before the rebellion, just kind of leading into the rebellions. Number two is when the rebellions happened because the specters are created kind of in the midst of the rebellions. We don't know to what extent attacks in the rebellions were carried out by the STG versus how many of these attacks were carried out by specters. But we do know that the specters were created in in STG's image. And because of how effective STG was in similar operations before and leading up to the rebellions. Um, And we also know that both parties were involved. Once the rebellion started, we knew that both parties were involved and they likely worked together since the STG had existing resources, the command infrastructure and these kind of operations, and they already like, you know, they, the specters already had STG veterans in there, the very first one. So that would make sense that they were working together for a lot of these kinds of uh, operations. And then number three, they worked on the genophage, the STG did. Mm-hmm. But the Turians were the first ones to deploy it. The SDG didn't really sign off on that. They just designed it and they created it. Um, however, fast forward and the Salarian SDG operatives were also the one to go in and modify the genophage when the Krogan physiology seemed to be over overcoming it. Um, Morden Solis was on that team. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone's favorite scientist, Salarian. And, uh, you know, people might have uh, heard that Morden was a 
former STG operative, but he was so intricately involved with the modification of the genophage and he was proud of his STG work, except that's a character arc that, you know, is very long. Um, it's very rewarding and I'm, I don't want to spoil too much of that for people who haven't played it, but there's a connection to another STG operative who worked on that, uh, who worked on the genophage and also was a student of Morden's and that's Malin. Malin was trying to cure the genophage for clan Warlock on Tuchanka in mass effect two. Um, so there's a lot of crossroads here in this one faction that we have the STG where there's so many important characters doing such really heavy lore stuff. I mean, it's like this faction is like the exact opposite of the eclipse, right? Who were more or less around to be a counter to the blue suns. So this like, there's definitely, so much lore wise, I would, I would bet that the STG and this, the Salarian operatives inside them were some of the first to be written, uh, in the entire series because mm -hmm. of just how intricate and drawn out they are. Yeah. They're tied to a lot of stuff. Oh yeah. Um, and then of course I see, uh, Meiji Moose in chat here has mentioned Vermeyer, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, well, yeah, they also led well-known operations like the raid on the Vermeyer cloning facility in Mass Effect one, where Saren was attempting to basically circumvent the genophage by cloning Krogan. And this leads to a very tense standoff with your Krogan squad mate named Rex, uh, who I'm not going to spoil anything, but things can go one way or another. And, we also meet Captain Kirhi on Vermeer. Captain Kirhi is a captain in the STG infiltration, infiltration Regiment who's been there as something of an auxiliary unit to Commander Shepard. So Captain Kirhi actually worked with Morden a lot before. So this is like a super small world, right? So you have this, this <laughs> Infiltration Regiment captain, Captain Kirhi, who's worked with Morden, who we haven't yet met, in mass effect one and they worked on the genophage and stuff and morden uh he was captain Kira. he was actually morden's team lead i believe and so morden had some choice words about Kira. he uh Kira, he may remember him from the hold the line speech well morden said well talking about Kira, he bit of a cloaca though <laughs> loved his speeches hold the line personally prefer to get job done and go home <laughs> I love that. I'm going to start calling people a cloaca. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's all the insults in one, you know, yeah, it's, right, it's, right. It's, it's, you're calling them the genitals. You're calling them the, the asshole, right? Like yeah. you're really just, you're nailing it with that insult. Um, so yeah. 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 Very clever insult with that. And I love the way it like, it's not with anger that Morden says that it, it's actually just with like a joie, like yeah. a joie de vivre. Yeah. It's just like, it's a fact. This is who he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and if Kirihi actually survives there on Vermeer and Mass Effect 1, we run into him again on Sirkesh, where the STG are holding the female Krogans. And Sirkesh might ring a bell. That's the Salarian homeworld. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, that's in Mass Effect 3. Also on Sirkesh, there's evidence that the STG is working to, again, uplift another race. But this time... It's the Yag. <laughs> this, they're working to plausibly to use them as plausibly deniable assassins and or political tools. Uh -huh. um, so basically uh, contract their their 
terroristic work out, I guess, to the Yog. Uh, that's what they're working on. Um, well, there are some other instances referenced that I, I personally want to know more about, and these might sound familiar to you. Here he mentions these people during his speech. The Ever Alert, that's a code name. The mm-hmm. STG members are only known by code names. So the, the, the ever alert is one of the STG members, one of the famous ones within their own branch. Uh-huh. And he's known for keeping armies at bay with hidden facts. It just sounds like code. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So he's it's a code, like, if you know, you know, but if you don't, it's like, right. You know. Right. It, he's, he's, he's super secret. Yeah. Um, and then there's also the silent step who defeated a nation with a single shot. Yeah. It sounds like an assassin, right? Yeah. It sounds like, sounds like the guy who shot Archduke Ferdinand or something. I don't know. Sure. Um, he's part of the black hand. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's also an elder scrolls reference. Uh, but, but yeah, um, I'd love to know more about these individuals and what the circumstances were surrounding them. Apparently they were important enough that, uh, at least one line of, flavor dialogue each was written for them so mm-hmm. <laughs> i yeah. think they've or they're just the kind of like little references they put in just you know it's like uh well if ever we need to develop something else we've got something we can pull from right and in the meantime it helps to make the world feel more alive right um right so yeah um so we do know from that that the scg has its heroes like people even though it's secretive even though they go, they go by code names mm-hmm. they still have their heroes and they still look up to these people um which would indicate that they're doing these things that they, they, they it's a volunteer uh, force, by the way, the STG is it's all volunteer. It's not conscription. Mm. Um, so they recruit, certainly they recruit, but it's volunteer. It's not conscription. And that would indicate that, that all of their members do this for idealistic reasons. Um, because I can't imagine that Salarians would not prefer to go into a scientific field, but maybe the STG is that Avenue for them, you know, um, so there are also other well-known operatives and we met them. There's Paddock Wicks who we don't actually meet if Kirhi survives. Paddock Wicks replaces Kirhi on Sirkesh if he dies. And then there's Jondam Bao, a specter who works with Commander Shepard to find the Hanar Mole who's an indoctrinated Hanar ultimately hell bent on, uh, you know, mm-hmm. like throwing Kaje under the bus. Uh, and so this is <laughs> this, this quest where you meet John Dumbau is also the origin of the, you big, stupid jellyfish line, right. Uh, right. in mass effect three. And so there's a fun fact about both of these characters that I wanted to bring up and, and share with you all that what I saw when I was looking this up and it's and the origin is actually a tweet. It's a tweet shared by the mass effect writer, Patrick weeks. Uh, and you, you may see this on screen. Yeah, um, here it is. So this is what Patrick weeks tweeted on March 9th, 2012. Uh, it it basically calls out a fellow writer of the series, John Dombrow, and it calls him out for purposefully naming Paddock Wicks after Patrick Weeks to to make it look like Patrick did it. And so so Patrick 
was probably working on Paddock Wick's character before they decided to name him. And then John Dumbrown named him Paddock Wicks to make it look <laughs> like, oh, look at Patrick over there. He's so arrogant. He's naming a character after himself. And so Patrick Weeks, the writer, tweets, quote, it was John Dumbrow. He put it in and he knew everyone would blame me. And he smirked. I added John Dumbrow, though. So John Dumbrow, John Dumbrow. Right. That's good. That's good. Those two Solarians are monikers for two of the main writers of the series, which is pretty funny. That's hilarious. That's great. The behind the scenes stuff like that is always fun. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much it. You know, like uh, I love ending on the fun little trivia notes and um, there isn't a whole lot out there about the STG. In fact, I was hard pressed to find what I did to, to present to you all. And I, I laughed kind of when I was looking at it. I'm like, man, I can't find too much information about the STG. And I'm like, oh, my God, that is exactly what the STG would want. I can't find much information on the STG. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like I feel like there's a good amount here. I mean, it's it's not, you know, super laid out, but there's, you know, there's some hidden stuff for sure. But I think there's there was enough here for a really solid episode. I think this was some really, really cool stuff. It's more than I knew going in. Yeah. I, yeah. I learned a lot, you yeah. know, when I was researching for this episode and I'm, I'm very happy that this was the episode that we came back from hiatus, uh, with, because it was really fun to look up, uh, as always, you know, highlight of my week and I hope everyone else enjoyed it too. So yeah, happy dude. to be back. Awesome stuff. Well, you got anything else going on before we head out? Any, uh, any streams planned or any other projects? Uh, you know, I do. Uh, so I have been streaming a lot more often ever since my mouth pain <laughs> got went away and went the, went the way of the wind. And even before the surgery, I've just ordered a couple of things to upgrade the quality of my streams. Like I was running into issues with my camera battery. And so I ordered this thing that you told me about, which is basically a, a fake battery plugs into the camera, the DSLR camera, mm-hmm. and you can plug it into the wall. So that means I can use my, my DSLR as a webcam for extended portions of time. And it's yeah. just such a higher quality video and I can zoom in and out with it. You know, that's what I use. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks great. Like <laughs> it, it shows obviously. Um, so yeah, I, I have some low light lenses for it too, you know, very low aperture. Um, so I'm very excited to use that. And I'm also, I've ordered uh, a 10 inch ring light, which I think will have a big, uh, big impact. Yeah. You can see mine um, in my glasses. Oh yeah, yeah, you can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then future, at some point, I'm planning to upgrade my RAM because oh, cool. I have 16 gigabytes of 3200 speed at some point. I think yeah, you're, uh, but, you're fine. You're not going to notice much yeah. of a difference with more RAM unless you're really crunching uh, like really large uh, video or image files. Yeah, trying to process I guess since stuff. you know it is new since the last episode that we did, um, I. I ordered and I installed by myself a liquid AIO cooler for my CPU. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. And that wasn't easy. You know, <laughs> that was, that was, uh, it was a little difficult. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's in there. It's working great. My idling temps are now like 30 degrees mm-hmm. and that's just like wonderful to see. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm very happy with this. Uh, so my point in bringing all that up is that my, my streams are going to be more frequent. I'm going to try and do them at least twice a week. And I am playing uh, Mass Effect 1 through again with Fimshep. And I'm doing uh, the most horrendous 
Mass Effect Andromeda character you could ever see. Oh, like, <laughs> like I've I've created him. I've shamelessly named him Milf Rider. Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. <laughs> and he looks like Satan Spawn with Ronald McDonald. Um, wonderful. It's it's something to behold. Certainly. Thanks so much to the uh, suggestions of everyone in my chat and the streams who, who helped me through that one. Uh, and so, yeah, if you'd like to see any of those streams, uh, just follow me at, at in seven legend on Twitch. Uh, I have an in seven legend YouTube. I'm going to try and get that restream thing going on so then I can stream on YouTube as well. Um, and yeah, you can find me virtually every other platform at in seven the legend. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, let's see. I've got uh, here. I mean, well, I've got the video capture thing up. We've got a uh, the updated website is up. I mentioned this uh, was was in the works last month, and um, yeah, that's the that's the new header. And then I've even added a calendar here for all our live streams, streams, strings, streams. Uh, so you can see the Mass Effect Lorecast Sunday nights. And then um, my new thing is that every night from Sunday through Friday. I'm streaming something, and so that includes uh, the Witcher Lorecast tomorrow night, but then also video games on the nights that we don't have podcasts. So we're doing Elder Scrolls Online and playing a lot of that lately, and Skyrim and a bunch of other stuff with the community. And then we've got nights where we've got like uh, the other shows on on the calendar. So if you guys are looking for things to do, places to hang out, and want to just hang out with the community because the Robust Radio community is awesome, then come check out the streams and all of the streams are now multi-streamed so you can watch this show and any of the other streams that we do for robots radio at twitch.tv slash robots radio or youtube dot or youtube.com slash c slash robots radio just search the robots radio channel on there um but because uh twitch is a pain in the butt and doesn't let you doesn't let affiliates restream at the same time on multiple platforms i gave up my affiliate status so because because they're pain in the butt and i was just like you know what i'm not going to deal with that they take half of anything that you make off of off of the platform so i decided screw those guys and if you want to support any of the live streams you can do so on the youtube channel so that's kind of the primary platform that's where you can collect points and that's where all the all the videos go all that stuff for this the like the game streams and and things like that and then Everything else can be watched on multiple other platforms like Twitch and even Facebook. I'm restreaming on Facebook right now, too. So pick the platform you like best. But if you want to collect points and you want to support the stream, then make sure that you watch it on the YouTube channel. And um, also, there's all these videos that go up on specifically the Mass Effect Lorecast channel, not the Robots Radio YouTube channel. So that's how all that stuff works now. And hopefully we've got the, all that stuff ironed out. Everything's in its like right place. Everything's kind of separated and that's how it goes so thank you everybody for tuning in um so glad to be back and so so fun to have all of you guys in the live chat thank you for being here and uh until next time go check out uh below gurgi's new album ain't it nice to be home on the bayou a bang 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 on the bayou and we'll see you guys next week <laughs> what are we talking about next week uh, that's part of a three disc set, by the way. It's called A League of Their Own. Uh, <laughs> that's no, that, that joke is courtesy of Meiji Moose and chat. Um, but next week, Spectres, uh, we are going to be talking about the Spectres. So, hey. uh, this episode was a long time coming, right? Um, but it's a perfect segue, I think, going from the STG into the Spectres. Awesome. Well, 
see you guys next week. Thank you for being here. Later, everybody. Thanks for tuning into the Mass Effect Lorecast. We'd love to hear your opinion and thoughts on the lore of Mass Effect. Reach out to us on Twitter at Mass Effect Cast or check out the Robots Radio Discord. Also, you can send us an email at Mass Effect Lorecast at gmail.com.